0: Thank you for choosing Talks News, your only source into this pivotal moment in tomorrow's history. I am your host, a leftist made of straw. Today's date is April 15th, 2021. And we begin, as always, with a pledge of allegiance. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Now, a little bit of a difference in the usual orientation and organization of this podcast, we are going to be reacting to a clip, called Reaction, uh, from a segment on MSNBC. This is not something that I usually do, but they're talking on how Biden's presidency is giving hope to progressives. I'm not sure if I would be considered a progressive, myself being a libertarian socialist, so maybe, But, uh, you know, I tend to support a lot of what the Democratic Socialists seem to uh, stand for. So maybe I can be put into that camp. And then later we have to wrap up the whole enchilada. The CNN director, quote, we worked to oust Trump use fear to pass climate agenda coming from Daily Wire's Benny Chaperone and uh that's that's gonna be the episode we're gonna do a quick easy couple segment cold reactions and then we're gonna move on with our beautiful wondrous lives outside of politics so let's begin now with msnbc's take it away
1: let's bring into the conversation boston globe columnist and co-host of the hashtag sisters in law podcast kimberly atkins she's an msnbc contributor and author of Winners Take All, MSNBC political analyst and publisher of the newsletter newsletter entitled The Inc., Anand Geardardis. Mike Barnacle and Casey Hunt are back with us as well. And Anand, we want to start with your new piece for the Atlantic entitled Welcome to the New Progressive Era. And you write in part this. THE CONVERSATION THAT I'VE HAD IN RECENT WEEKS HAVE PAINTED A PORTRAIT OF AN IMPROBABLE COMING TOGETHER OF PEOPLE AND FORCES. A MODERATE PRESIDENT WITH AN ASCENDANT PROGRESSIVE MOVEMENT AT HIS BACK AND AT HIS THROAT, FACING A ONCE IN A GENERATION WINDOW OF OPPORTUNITY. IT'S STILL EARLY. IT REMAINS TO BE SEEN IF THIS MOMENTUM WILL CONTINUE. IF THE INFRASTRUCTURE PLAN MUSTERS THE VOTES, IF THE UNGAINLY SANDERS TO MENTION COALITION HOLDS, BUT FOR NOW, A CAPITAL THAT HAS BEEN DEFINED IN RECENT YEARS BY THE ABSENCE OF USEFUL ACTION BUBBLES WITH GENERATIVE POSSIBILITY. AND MANY OF US WHO THOUGHT WE KNEW WHAT A BIDEN PRESIDENCY WOULD LOOK LIKE AND DIDN'T EXPECT MUCH FROM IT ARE SUDDENLY ASKING OURSELVES HOW DID WE GET HIM SO WRONG? I do not
0: agree with most of the sentiments of that uh, of that article. Um, I'm still expecting Joe Biden to blow me out of the water. Um, I think he's done a moderately decent job, but for the most part, as far as our foreign policies um, and our southern border policies, our immigration policies, um And the infrastructure bill itself, too, not really being big enough uh for the uh, time that we are currently facing. I could not disagree more with these hopeful sentiments. Now, I, I do like the hopeful perspective that is coming from this Atlantic article here, but I do not agree so far. Um I have a bit more pessimistic view of Joe Biden's presidency, and we shall get into that further as this continues on. But uh, for the most part, I think Joe Biden has fallen as short as I thought he would on most issues that we are currently facing within the United States and abroad, also globally. But let's get into it piece by piece. Lego. go.
1: And it seems like Biden's experience um, over the past 30, 40, 50 years has led to a lot of stories and sort of stereotypes of what a Biden presidency might look like, but the man who is president now is a whole lot different than the biden we knew 20 30 40 years ago and
0: and i would hope so you know because the biden of 20 30 years ago was supporting a massive criminalization of american citizens and mass incarceration so i would really hope so that you know uh, a person can evolve within 20 to 30 years i would be uh, extremely skeptical of any leadership that hasn't uh slowly evolved so
1: and perhaps that's why there's there is this window of opportunity
0: except for bernie and bernie sanders he's a little bit of exception to that rule mainly because he's been very consistent for 20 to 30 years on almost every position that he supports and he's been progressive before progressives were uh in so um yeah I, i just wanted to acknowledge that before diving deeper into the moderate neoliberal joe biden Absolutely.
2: You know, I I decided to you know homebound as as I am decided to just spend a lot of time on the phone in recent weeks, talking to the the campers in in this big tent, and uh, talk to everybody from you know mansion to Larry Summers to progressives, uh, Congresswoman Jayapal and other progressives, and the thing that I heard again and again was surprise, all manner of surprise, and I think what you're seeing is a strange marriage of man uh, and movement and moment. Uh, So the man is, as you said, a historically moderate person, someone associated with uh, the centrist wing of the party, more corporate friendly wing of the party. Uh, He ran and won despite Uh, a second thing going on which is a progressive movement that increasingly has set the terms of the conversation and won a battle of ideas in the party as many moderates told me for this piece even though they didn't win the primary and so you got the man and the movement in somewhat tension but also uh, as i said in the piece at, at his back and at his throat the movement is and then finally the moment and there's kind of two components of the moment there's the acute moment we're in of covid the plague this kind of once in a generation political opportunity to do something big because of how bad things are, but also the accumulation of chronic crises, the death of the American dream, frankly, over the last generation. And without COVID, perhaps there wouldn't be uh, the political will to do big things.
0: Genuinely curious on what he means by the death of the American dream and exactly when it died. Um, because class mobilization uh I think is what he's alluding to when it comes to the American dream, the ability to start out poor and become rich um and it's you know it's kind of been a lie for a while um depending on your circumstances and your intersectionality of oppression that you may be facing in this country um so i don't know if we're really still reeling from the death of the American dream, or if it's just something that we've kind of been dealing with for a very long time. And that's not really going to change at all with any of the policies that we continue to pursue that don't, um, you know, build a proper social safety net for our lower income brothers and sisters. So,
2: And and so ultimately, the the kind of picture I found of Joe Biden through all these conversations was uh, someone who is a coalitional politician, not a star, uh, someone who is actually willing to kind of be the sum of the parts of his coalition, someone who's making progressives, moderates, business folks, others feel heard and seen and listened to uh, in ways that, you know, Richard Trumka from the AFL-CIO told me other administrations used to call us to tell us the decision. This administration calls us to ask what the decision should be. Um, and it amounts, in my view, to potentially
0: And that's essentially neoliberalism wrapped in a package, is that neoliberalism has the belief that the individual and also the corporation has a better view and solution to the problems that America is facing. And mainly in the neoliberal aspect, it has a lot more to do with corporations solving a lot of our problems more than the federal government actually does. But it's also the coalition between the private and the public sectors that seem to push forward the neoliberalist agenda. So and it's very strange to me how, you know, by talking about how Joe Biden is able to work with everybody makes him more progressive than anybody. But that just simply has to be because Trump lowered the bar so hard that somebody who is a moderate and can try to appease both sides is a breath of fresh air. That's that's extremely sad to me because that's just how far Donald Trump lowered our bar for uh, presidential leadership
2: potentially, potentially 2021 being a break not just from 2017 and Trumpism, not just from 2009 and the kind of limited response to a previous crisis, but really a break from 1981 and the the dawn of the age of Reagan with its fundamental assumption that government is the problem. Um, Government, the idea of government as a redemptive force to make people's lives better is back.
1: So Kimberly Atkins, do you agree?
0: So my real issue is is that he doesn't use any like policies or anything that necessarily Biden has enacted to prove that, you know, he's here to use the government to improve the material conditions of people's lives. He mostly used uh the idea that tr- Biden is able to work with corporations, uh progressive uh representatives uh, republican representatives establishment democrats the moderate republicans he's able to work with all of these people and that means that the government is back to helping the people and i like it's just a lot of fancy rhetoric with absolutely no substantial evidence or substance to actually say that joe biden is going to improve the the material conditions for all americans and not just the richest so um just Just putting that out there. That was a beautiful word salad. But I am not sold on the idea that Joe Biden is uh, the 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 new progressive era, as they're saying here, just because he can work with so many people that are already working with each other in Washington, D.C.,
3: I think so. I think we are seeing that. Look, I think that this has to do with a number of factors, including just being in a post-Trump era uh, where Democrats from across the ideological spectrum are incentivized now that they are in power in Congress and in the White House to work together, to find uh, the places where they can agree, to listen to each other uh, in order to move forward and do what all of them want to do.
0: So having Trump out of the White House has made the fractured Democratic Party between establishment and progressives that somehow has brought them together more than it did than under Trump, because like honestly, under Trump, it seemed a lot more obvious that they were more together on things because they had the common enemy of donald trump and the republic the the radicalized trumpist republicans they had that same enemy underneath their belt so there was a much more unified democratic party in that sense back then but now they can't even agree on the stimulus checks or they couldn't agree on uh the 15 dollar minimum wage being a part of the covid relief relief package and then also on top of it Uh, Progressives were uh, criticizing Joe Biden's infrastructure plan, which is 2.3 billion, uh, 2.3 trillion dollars in 10 years. And the progressives are saying we need at least 10 trillion dollars in 10 years. So, um, yeah, I, I again, I like. We're missing substantial evidence here to prove that Joe Biden is the uh, coalition with the progressives, because to me, this segment sounds like cleaning up Joe Biden's image to make him sound appealing to progressives without having to look at his policy stances and what he's done so far in the White House. It's, It's just mostly fancy rhetoric.
3: Which is reverse not only the policies uh, that Donald Trump and uh, congressional Republicans have put in place over the years, but reverse the course of the country. uh, Reverse.
0: And so, I'm also like curious as to like which of those policies are we talking about here? Are we talking about the? You know, pulling apart from the World Health Organization, the Paris Climate Accord, the Iran nuclear deal, because all of these things were not progressive policies made by progressives. These were the same things that were enacted underneath an Obama presidency who was just as moderate neoliberalist as Joe Biden is. So really what we're seeing is a redirection from Trump's presidency back to where we were with uh, Obama's presidency, but with a pandemic on top of it. So um e- in- even so we ha- we saw the largest transfer of wealth from the housing market cra- ha- housing market crash bubble um back in 2008 2009 under you guessed it Joe Biden and President Barack Obama so in in those regards we're not really seeing that much of a shift from the presidency that we had seen from Obama And, you know, it's early, so we're not really sure how it could turn out. But uh, Obama's presidency is exactly what led to Trump's presidency. So to pretend like this is some kind of victory or um, uh, validation for the progressive party is a little nonsensical to me, especially with like thinking that reversing Trump's policies is anything progressive. That's that's merely just the Democrats. So I, I I'm. I need more than this to buy that Joe Biden is the leader of the new progressive era, as they're alleging in the headline of this.
3: The tone and the messaging in this country uh, and move forward. So e- each and every Democrat in Washington is incentivized to do that. I- I-
0: that there, I do genuinely agree. I do like that we have a president who isn't constantly demonizing leftists or even t- taking time to demonize conservatives. He's not, he doesn't demonize lit- like really any group in. In particular, we are starting to see like a bit of ramping up against Russia through sanctions and uh, kind of economic warfare. And then also, too, there's tensions rising with Iran. But I'm not seeing like the rhetoric of anti-Muslim or anti-Kremlin, anti-communist rhetoric that would be like in the in, in the Trump presidency, where in order to follow through on his actions foreign policy wise, he also demonizes the, uh, the people who fit in those categories within our own country. So I can agree on that level that at least Joe Biden's rhetoric isn't as divisive as Trump's is. But I'm not going to say yet again that that's like a major improvement in a, in, a, in a move forward into the social issues that we're facing in this country and will continue to face over the next few decades.
3: I thought we saw some signs along the way, along the campaign, that Joe Biden would be willing to listen to more progressive folks. We saw that with the people who he surrounded himself with, uh, uh, including uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. We saw that in his pick for Kavala Harris as vice president. So perhaps I'm a little less.
0: Both of those are very uh, well-liked Democrats. Um, I'm not sure how most progressives feel about them, but like, that's really really low bar for me because Elizabeth Warren definitely has the aesthetics of a progressive, but she's not any more progressive than Bernie Sanders is. And even in my books, Bernie Sanders is just barely uh, progressive enough because we're just that far behind most of the developed world. Um, Kamala Harris is certainly not progressive in my books. And again, I would need substantial evidence to prove as to why they are. I feel like Republicans and their conservatism has lowered their bar so far that literally the, the, the most modest Democrat policy makes them seem like they're radicals. And that's just like kind of where our political spectrum is, is that we're so skewed to the right side that any movement towards the left just a little bit is like, holy shit, that is so progressive. And we throw all of our hats in the air and, celebration and fireworks are shot off and it's really not it's it's meeting the bare minimum so like i I, again like this is this is exactly what the media like the left-wing media loses a lot of people from is because they do these cleanup jobs to aesthetically improve somebody when you know in material conditions there's nothing to back it up and this is a major problem of the propaganda machine that ends up getting people disaffected from the democratic party and easy easily 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 susceptible to the conservative right-wing media so like in hopefully some people have the resilience to know that these both are part of the establishment of the United States that has contributed to the problems that we see in the United States and wouldn't want to feed either machine but that's kind of part of the problem is that everybody thinks that it's one or two of these decisions that you're either going to be watching MSNBC or you're going to be watching Tucker Carlson tonight. And so we really, need to eliminate this partisanship and this idea that we need to have one or two parties to represent all of our ideals for this country. It's, it's really dangerous cult-like thinking, and it happens on both sides. And so when I'm watching them clean up the image of Joe Biden in front of my very eyes without actual material substance to back it up is exactly why I see a lot of people who go from why I left the left and why I joined the right. So, um, Because, like, you know, they feel that dissidence inside of them. They're like, this authority does not seem right. And the Republicans sound like they're coming from a common sense place of this is why you should um, uh, protest this form of authority, this Democratic left wing form of authority. But then when the Republicans do the same exact thing on the other side, when they have their precedent, then it, it can... Really, it just it it, they're ping ponging supporters while at the same time any of the ones that they do hold on to long enough they radicalize into an ultra nationalist position and makes uh, the political discourse in this country extremely toxic. So um, this is bad. This is uh, I don't like this segment coming from MSNBC. I get the point of it, but it's not. It's really not worth its weight if Joe Biden is not the uh, archetype that they're painting him out to be. And it's really only going to do more harm along the way as we continue to see Joe Biden do the same policies that Trump did or just a slightly less brutal version or cruel version of a Trump policy. So it's that's just where I'm at on this segment five minutes in.
3: surprised uh, that this is playing out but certainly the extent of which I was not expecting uh, for example in the infrastructure plan for that to include a plan to restore neighborhoods uh, black neighborhoods that were uh, really destroyed with highway building uh, in- See,
0: again and that's just like how low our bar is set like that should be a, a very normal part of infrastructure bills as a focus on neighborhoods on communities on public buildings like this isn't supposed to be something that's radical it should just be a thing so the fact that like joe biden can meet the bare minimum of an infrastructure bill and we praise it as such a progressive radical move is completely crazy to me this is supposed to be normal we should be that invested in our neighborhoods and our communities that we're not surprised when we actually take the time to throw a couple billion dollars at them that's crazy to me That's that's more crazy to me than thinking that we could have spent 10 trillion dollars on it. And the amount of money that we spent in the the 20 past years in these endless wars that no American supports at this time, the amount of money we spent on that rather than infrastructure, that's not radical to anybody. That's not crazy. Like we should have spent a lot more focus on our own people. That's the, the like. No wonder China's outdoing us. Like we sent all our manufacturing job over there, most of our GDPs over uh, on the other side of the world, and then we dumped money into doing endless wars that have shown little to no profit beyond the cycle of the oil industry, which is eventually going to destroy a lot of the planet. So this is why we're no longer. One of the like most admirable nations on the planet and if we are it's merely from a propaganda standpoint
3: In the mid-century, um, I-, I really didn't expect a lot of things that are very uh, progressive very forward looking
0: I I love my country. I feel like I have to say this. I love my country. I love most people in it. But it's really hard for me to, like, the American exceptionalism is on both sides where we think we are really that, like, we act like our shit don't stink. And it reeks. It's bad. It's not a good smell. And we really need to figure out what we're going to do to try and combat our future problems that we're going to see in this country that we continue to do either the bare minimum to nothing at all about. This is wild. Wild.
3: Uh, and very much in keeping with the moment that we've seen in the last year of the call for racial justice beyond policing. Um, So I I am somewhat surprised, but I I think we saw a bit of this coming.
0: And as you say, one of the criticisms of Joe Biden in the primary season was that he was going to be too centrist, that he wouldn't be the vessel for progressive ideas that progressive wing of the party had hoped for, and that most Democrats had hoped for. And in fact, when he was criticized by Donald Trump as being too progressive
4: or a part of the radical left, to use his term, I think voters sort of shrugged that
0: off, looking at Joe Biden's long record as not. Uh, being ultra-progressive. So does that contribute to the surprise, the fact that he was seen as the guy in that big field of candidates as the one who may not, in fact, be most representative of the modern
4: Democratic Party?
2: Yeah, and I think there's a funny dynamic where, first of all, to his credit, um, I think Biden is is something incredibly countercultural in the age of polarization <laughs> and certitude, which is he's persuadable, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So- <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god, like seriously, where are we at in the point of this country where somebody who is agreeable, who will have a normal discussion, is counterculture? Where are we in a country when it reaches that point? And that is something to be praised, like honestly. So,
2: as someone who worked for him for a long time told me, you know, he was in Iowa back in the primary. And although he ended up winning the overall race, he saw that it was the Sanders and Warren camps in Iowa that had big, boisterous crowds. And his, as, as the media reported at the time, were were quite- Because
0: on the ground, Democrats, like the supporters, the working class, the regular people that live out here want to see some real shit happen. They know, they, they the people who voted for Bernie Sanders did it because they were familiar with Obama. So let's like, oh God, I'm- I can't believe MSNBC got me this turn. Up. I'm I'm turned. Goddamn. Quite right thin. So he saw, like a stand-up comic in a room, noticing
2: when you're getting the laughs. He saw where the energy was. Um, he prevailed, and then he was willing through the unity task forces that he had with the with the Sanders folks onward to incorporate a lot of those ideas and certainly a lot of those people. Uh, and the other thing is, there is a, uh, a I think, a kind of practice of. Something I've heard so much in this administration, this idea that, you know, uh, apocryphally uh, FDR said to a Philip Randolph, labor activist, make me do it. If you want me to do a big thing, make me do it. I think a lot of the attitude of this administration (laughs) is go make me do it. I'm willing to do it, but I'm not willing to be three miles ahead of public opinion. I'm willing to do it if you can push and pressure public opinion to a place where, uh, you know, it's ready for me to do
0: that's that that honestly sounds like what a leader would do that's that's that wow that is such a leadership thing to do i need everyone else to shift the overton window of everybody before i can actually do progressive policies i need all of you activists and all of you labor unions i need everybody else to shift the overton window for me and then i'll pass the policies that you want to see even though the window is shifted because how many votes went to Bernie Sanders before losing the primary? So honestly, it's, it's crazy to me because the Overton window is shifted, but Biden knows that he's not going to push anything beyond the envelope. He knows that he, he ran on that idea. He ran on being a moderate. And so it's very wild to me that we're even having this segment right now, the new progressive era where we meet in the middle.
2: And I think that's, <laughs> that ends up being an incredibly powerful combination Uh, that that could spell uh, a transformational presidency and a presidency against all odds, given Biden's record, that ends up shattering Mm -hmm. the age of Reagan, the consensus of the Reagan era in a way that the Obama and Clinton presidencies ended up not.
0: Yeah, shattering the Reagan era by raising taxes to 28 percent for corporations. Yeah, that's that's absolutely just shredding apart, trickle down economics, isn't it? Amazing. Amazing, like I just, I like MSNBC is guilty of exactly what Fox News would do for Trump every day. This is this is the same exact uh, method and strategy, and I find it deplorable. And I give you a yikes out of ten.
5: Yeah, you know, it's such an interesting point about how uh, the President Biden reacts to public opinion and has over the course uh, of his career. But Kimberly Atkins, I'm curious as to your take on how the president is handling uh, not necessarily the issues that are these 60-40 uh, or 70-30 issues where even Republicans are, are supportive, like these economic issues and a lot of the things Anand's been talking about, but some of the cultural issues. I mean, I was listening to how the president spoke, for example, uh, about... Uh, the recent tragic uh, death of Dante uh, Wright in Minnesota, and he was careful about how he talked, for example, about law enforcement and the police. He, he does walk this careful, kind of moderate line in the language that he uses and the tone that he takes. Do you think that there is a risk for President Biden with his progressive base around some of these uh, perhaps uh, more wedge oriented issues that Republicans really want to use in the midterms to try and take back the House and the Senate? Yeah, I
3: don't think there's as much of a risk in that. Yes, he certainly can speak with compassion and empathy and a sense of urgency when it comes to the tragic deaths we are seeing of black people at the hands of police. But I think he also understands something um, that most black folks, by the way, most black voters are more moderate. Uh, They tend not to be uh, as progressive. But he understands that black folks want police to keep them safe they don't want them to kill them
0: i really don't know if most black people are actually like most black voters are moderate i i i haven't seen any data on that um but there's there's definitely been plenty of radical um leaders throughout history like uh james baldwin fred hampton huey huey newton uh bobby seal black panther movement uh lewis farrakhan i would not consider a moderate martin luther king for his time was considered a radical and i think he even said he was a socialist as well um so you know maybe black voters are predominantly moderate i think most americans are moderate i don't think they want to sacrifice the comfortability of the status quo to do something radical and experimental Um, they usually have to be provided with a good enough reason and a you know justifiable uh, plan to do those sort of things. Um, but as I'm getting older and I'm seeing the convergence of every social crisis that we have, I don't personally believe that moderation should be taken on a lot of these issues. I do think that we need radical plans such as a $10 trillion infrastructure plan. Um, I think we need a green new deal to start moving away from fossil fuels, which I, apparently is really radical. um, and I think we need, you know, probably the most moderate thing that I would say is, is that I think we need common sense gun control. But even if you talk to a, uh, a conservative about that, that's a radical position. So what we're playing with here in this country is a very misunderstood placement of the political spectrum. So I I'm really having a hard time here. Because as conditions get worse in a lot of these aspects, as the wealth inequality, climate change, uh, the, the, the chances of uh, another world war, um, the idea of n- nuclear armaments, uh, space exploration, we're looking at a necessity towards radicalism. And we're seeing us swimming upstream with moderates. So... um And people can disagree with me. You know, you could say we could use incremental change, but I think by 2025, uh, we're going to need to see some serious shit happening and happening fast.
3: And that in pushing for reforms, it does not mean that you mean you want the police to go away. Defund police means defund the way that they have been working uh, up until now. So I think he understands that, and I think uh, black Americans get that he understands that. It was black Americans in South Carolina that really set him on the path to the presidency. Uh, but I also think, and in, in, like I said, the policies that he's putting forward, that he understands that this uh, the moment that we are in requires really bold and uh forward moving action when it comes to restoring uh the uh, and putting within reach the american dream for black americans like uh he's talking about things like reparations he's talking about other measures so i think
0: yeah but talking about these things doesn't necessarily equate to like the actual implementation or the commitment to do these things like a politician is really only as good as their word and most of the time in order to garner support they will back up their uh image um, more with words than actual action. So, like, what I'm really hoping to see is what Joe Biden will do in the form of, like, does he actually have a comprehensive plan on reparations, or is she merely putting that out there to continue to cultivate that progressive black voter into his camp? So, like, I mm, uh, uh, I don't like this. I don't like it.
3: I think so far he has really uh, jumped in. I think I'm in his right. It is still early. I'm waiting to see what actually comes out of it, uh, where the rubber meets the road. Uh, but so far, I think he is on the right track with that.
0: And he very well so could be. Like, it's still very early in Joe Biden's presidency. But so far, I'm seeing nothing but the continuation of Obama era. Um, plus, co- you know, plus having to react to the COVID pandemic. <sighs> All right. Honestly, Great. So after, you know, seeing MSNBC actually do a cleanup job of Joe Biden's um, image, we're going to go switch over to the right side of American television or Internet vision. I don't know. Um, And go with Ben Shapiro here, who has an exclusive from Project Veritas. Project Veritas is a right wing uh, gonzo journalist. I think they want to call themselves that. But they go and they usually go undercover and expose Democratic wrongdoings. And I think the first time that they had really caught my attention was during the 2016 election when they had um, exposed DNC's tactics in trying to smear Donald Trump and um, smear Bernie Sanders and also uplift Hillary Clinton and all the tactics that they would use to do that. Um, but project Veritas has had a very shaky existence because a lot of their undercover stuff has been debunked or has been outright whistleblown as like somebody, like a few people have said that they've been paid $10,000 to make up the story that James O'Keefe, the founder of project Veritas wanted them to do. So whatever project Veritas has a video now, I'm extremely skeptical because a lot of them have been debunked, um. But Ben Shapiro doesn't care about that. He, he cares merely about the um, denigration of the Democratic Party so that conservatism sounds more appealing to people who live in America. So let's get to that. Let's let's do that.
6: James O'Keefe, once again, embarrassing CNN. Apparently, a CNN staffer went on five Tinder dates with a, a spy from Project Veritas, according to Mediaite say James O'Keefe's Project Veritas has just released new secretly recorded footage on Tuesday that reveals CNN employees describing how the network worked to support Joe Biden's campaign during the 2020 election. Shocker. CNN Technical Director Charlie Chester.
0: I like how he said shocker because it, it really should not be a shock to anybody. Like MSNBC and CNN work in the same way that Fox News does for the, politi- uh, for the Republican Party. They do hold certain people accountable, like Andrew Cuomo did get some flack through CNN and MSNBC reporting. But how much of that is still going right now? Can you remember the last time that MSNBC and CNN have talked about Andrew Cuomo? That's my point. And the last thing that we just went through does prove that they do a bit of cleaning up and fancy word salads to make Joe Biden sound a lot better than he really is. So in certain regards, this is exactly what I'm talking about in that the liberal propaganda machine fucks up so bad that it allows people like Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson to swoop up those disaffected voters and bring them into the conservative party which then further radicalizes them into super uh, like like heterodox like Christian, Judeo-Christian and ultra nationalist positions inside the American political system. So let's get more of this because this is this is this is like honestly from liberal to conservative pipeline going on right now. Played the video's starring role. Here is some of Charlie Chester
6: talking about the the role of CNN in uh, in the 2020 election.
4: They've already announced in her office that once the public is will be open to it, we're going to start focusing mainly on climate um, uh, climate like global warming and. Like, that's going to be our next, like, I don't know, like, it's it's going to be our focus. Like, uh, like our our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness.
6: They're just, uh, and of course, this is all obvious. This is all obvious. I mean, it's clear that CNN is a propaganda outlet. We've all known this for a long time. It's just that they lie. And then when you call them on it, they're like, how
0: dare you? They get Brian Stelter on, reliable sources, yelling about Fox News or something. Daily Wire does the same exact thing. If you're watching any news commentary, even this show included, if you're watching any of it and you assume it's not propaganda, you um, need to wake up and stop watching the news. Literally, anybody reporting on the news, commenting on the news, anything regarding politics in the news is propaganda. Almost all of it. So like anybody telling you they're not propaganda is full of shit. And do not listen to them. That's, that's going to be my piece here, because it's funny that Ben is going to be like, everybody knows CNN's a propaganda machine, and pretend that he's not. That's, no. E- everyone doing this game right now, propaganda. And the most damning portion of the video is that opening
6: supercut. The footage didn't make the identity of Chester's conversational partner clear, The rack of liquor bottles is clearly pictured behind him in one scene. Chester said that his role is one step down from director, the role of technical director has no input on the contents of any programming, but he has suggested there was sort of internal communication suggesting what the mission was. Chester says, quote, Trump was, his hand was shaking, he was losing it. He's unfit. We were creating a story there. I think that's propaganda. Apparently, he was talking there, you would imagine, about the Trump picking up a glass of water with both hands. We had nothing else to run with at that time. We were like just taking shots off about, just hoping something would hit, you know? His conversational partner, a woman, tells him at one point she has a confession about her concerns with Biden. She says, I guess, I guess I have a confession. I worry about Biden and his health, I guess. Yeah, I just want to take care of him, make sure he's okay. Chester said, that was precisely the kind of concern the network worked to assuage during the campaign. Chester said, the whole thing of him running, showing him jogging was obviously a deflection of his age. They're trying to make it like, okay, I'm healthy. Said we'd always always show shots of him
0: jogging, like I'm healthy. Yeah, there was even that like cover of GQ that tried to make Joe Biden look like he's a super dope bachelor. Like this is, this is happening all the time. Fox News spent as much time uh, as CNN cleaning up Joe Biden's images as they did Trump. So like this is going to happen no matter what, and that's what we're dealing with. We have established, uh, you know, institutions that are well established and have vested interests in both political parties. We have a two party system, so we're gonna have both sides trying to clean up their people to make them look cleaner just like how Fox News how many times have they covered Matt Gaetz very little compared to the liberal news media so like it's both sides of this are extremely guilty of it and blah 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 Chester also said he'd be okay with it if uh, Kamala Harris became president oh yeah that reminds me because like during uh back I think like when Trump had the Independence Day speech where he like was at uh, Mount Rushmore, N- Ben Shapiro spent like a whole segment talking about how great that speech wo- speech was. But if you watched anybody else, uh, 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 anybody else's channel, not CNN, MSNBC, but like smaller um, YouTube leftists, they they heard literally the fourteen points of fascism in that speech, and you can get that from their channel, that perspective. But if you go to Ben Shapiro's perspective, it's much more cleaning up of. Trump and how it's important to have these nationalist feels, how it's important to acknowledge Americans exceptionalism and he cleaned up his image when the left side the what people call bread tube v- saw 14 points of fascism in that speech. So clear clear example of both uh, every side is playing in a game of propaganda.
6: Chester said I had so many arguments about my, my dad would be like, you know, you're voting in Kamala Harris cause he's gonna die in the presidency. And I'm like, he's not gonna effing die, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. She could probably be a real B word in like a board meeting and you'd hate her as a boss, but she's effing real and better than what we got regardless. So um, also he, uh, he basically acknowledged openly that they craft their coverage around narrative.
4: If the agenda say is to like get like Matt Gates right now, he's like, like this Republican. Uh, he's a problem for the Democratic Party because he's so conservative, right? and he can cause a lot of hiccups in passing of laws. So it's. It would be great for the the party to get out. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him and make it so that it can't be buried and like just, you know, settle that side of court. And just like, you know, uh, if we keep pushing that, it's helping us. That's propaganda, it's helping
6: us in some way. Okay, but here's the thing. Most journalists don't even have the insight that Charlie Chester, the CNN technical director does.
0: Margaret Sullivan, who writes an awful column for- even earlier, Ben Shapiro said it's all very obvious. It's very obvious. Like, no duh. All of that is a
6: no duh. Washington Post, in which she basically just pretends that partisan journalism is, in fact, objective journalism. She has a piece today in which she says, ask almost any group of journalists to name the core values of their profession, and they'll probably, probably deliver a list like this. Oversight. We're the watchdogs keeping an eye on government officials and other powerful people and institutions. Transparency. We believe it's best to put information out in the open, not keep it hidden. Factuality, it's crucial to provide as much accurate information as possible to get to the truth. Spotlighting wrongdoing, we think society's problems are best solved by exposing them to public criticism, giving a voice to the voiceless. It's our job to advocate for those lacking power or social standing. These ideas are so ingrained, we have adopted certain aphorisms to express them. Sunlight is the best disinfectant, comfort the afflicted, and inflict the comfortable we counsel each other. Okay, but um, here is uh, the problem, they're liars. Just like all self-reported surveys, if you ask people how often do you exercise, people always answer that they exercise a lot more than they actually do.
0: If you, ask- I don't, I don't know what to do with that because, like, I would then have to assume that everybody who takes a, a, a survey like that lies, and that like he's setting up the premise. I don't, I don't know what to do with this when you set up the premise like that. Like, I have to believe you and go follow through your argument on that when I don't agree with the premise already. If you ask people how wonderful they are; they will always tell you they are unbelievably great. Journalists
6: may say that they care about oversight and keeping an eye on government officials. Meanwhile, they're just like, why are we even asking tough questions of Joe Biden? We should stop this. Transparency. That it's they believe it's best to put
0: information out in the open. Weird because. Yeah, CNN has journalists, but for the most part, it's exactly the same as Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro's not a journalist. He's a news commentator. And most of these people who are on TV are news commentators. They're not necessarily journalists. The journalists are the ones who do gather the stories and information for news commentators to comment upon. But to like, and this seems to be coming like a problem where news commentators are being equated to journalists and it's just far from the truth like n- no like journalists actually collect a good amount of witness statements evidence uh citations sources they actually do pretty much most of the work that gives Ben Shapiro a job um, so like he he's, he's still, he's making this bridge into the same idea that you should trust a journalist as much as a news commentator. And as far as we know, when it comes to Republicans, news commentators work for the fake news. So like, it's just even more of this, just, you can't trust media, but for some reason you can trust Ben.
6: I seem to remember this Hunter Biden story where y'all cheered on full scale suppression of an actual story. Factuality. You have to give as much information as possible to get to the truth weird because I see like stories every single day where you don't give as much information as possible particularly when it comes to policing
0: it's really good when you can like cite specific examples but let's not do that let's just you know broadly say that they do this thing all the time and it's happening all the time and I don't have to prove anything to anybody because we all know it's happening right you're you're here on daily wire all the time you know it's happening because I have told you spotlighting wrongdoing You think that society's problems
6: are best solved by exposing them to public criticism. Weird, because you were defending Andrew Cuomo all of last year, giving a voice to the voiceless. Well, it seems like mostly you care about giving a voice to the people you want to give a voice to and shutting everyone. Like, is he
0: is he actually like talking about the specific journalist that wrote this article because he could easily provide samples of her work to say, here's where you defended Andrew Cuomo. But he's not. He's using generalization because that's how the most effectiveness of getting people in the conservative party is to make everybody outside of the conservative party sound like opposition. It's so easy. It's so easy. And it's it's unbelievably, like, I'm just so shocked on how easily it works. But it just, like, to me, it sounds like everybody really, really desires simplified answers. Everybody else up. But put that aside, according to Margaret Sullivan,
6: our values can be a turnoff for the general public. It suggests that journalists who want to reach the broadest audience and have the greatest impact should consider changing the way they think about their present work. The study, a new way of looking at trust in media, is from Media Insight Project. It builds on research led by social psychologist, Jonathan Haidt. Researchers asked participants how much they support the values I mentioned above, transparency, factuality, but kept it in the abstract without specifying a focus on journalism. The results indicate that only one out of the five core values touted by journalists shares the support of a majority of Americans. About seven in 10 people support the idea that we should pursue facts that get us closer to the truth. The value drawing the least support is that the good way to make society better is to spotlight its problems. Only about three in 10 agree. Well, that is at least partially understandable, considering that maybe the way to make a good society better is to uphold its strengths as well as spotlighting its problems. Maybe a lot of people see your spotlighting its problems as a way of tearing down the system, which is what you guys overtly say you want to do.
0: Yeah, see, and that's the problem of like Ben Shapiro and the conservatives is that any critique of America is equivalent to hating America. So like even if he says, why can't we hold up the strongness, the the, the, the strong attributes as much as we do the weaknesses? And it's like because if we over highlight the strong, we we constantly ignore the weak attributes of it and the weak attributes constantly contribute to the suffrage of millions of billions of people so uh that's why ben we don't hate america we love it so much that we're trying to fix it it's we're we're in a toxic relationship where we think we can fix this toxic place but um uh there's there's a lot of people in the way that don't want it fixed because they find benefits in the way that it is
6: only about one in ten americans fully support all five of the journalism values tested People who prize loyalty and authority are much, like, much less likely than others to see the need for a watchdog over the powerful. People who put a high value on fairness are more likely to think society should amplify the voices of those lacking power. So of course, this means that the real reason, the real reason that people don't trust the media is because it is the people who are wrong. We cannot be bad at any of this. It is the people who are wrong. Or alternatively, you suck at this. And all the things
0: you say you prize, you don't actually prize. And the American people know it. I hope you all right. No, no, I'm not letting him finish that. Um, Mm, no, I mean, he, he kind of got the presupposition from her own from what she had said, but I think the most part that people have problems with in the media is that it either, um, goes opposed to their own biases or it confirms it to the point where that's the only media that you consume. And so any other media that opposes it disgusts you. Um, And we're really into a a place in this society where news commentary is almost more essential than just objective journalism. And that's mainly because objective journalism still comes in the forms of writing and reading articles. You know, you don't get a full, you know, fledged out thought of what to think about information unless you go to a news commentator um and i think the 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 serious problem that we have with media is is that no matter where you go it is it is biased and so as long as people are looking to fight for one side rather than fighting for their own side and their own best interests that's why you're going to keep meeting these sides of the political of of the political media where you're going to hate the opposition for not agreeing with you rather than thinking of what i can do to get to the root of all of these issues and where i fit into changing it because we all have the power as americans to do that especially if we can unify so um yeah that's this is this was a wonderful trip from the liberal to conservative pipeline in the media uh thank you for joining me on tox news uh follow me on twitter at toxin pod t o x n p o d uh the youtube channels in the description um and uh like it if you liked it, dislike it if you don't rate review, subscribe, ring the bell, comment, do all those things if you want to I don't really. I, I guess I need you to, but I don't have to. So just just do you, boo-boo, honestly, and um, I'll catch you next episode. That's, that's, that's going to be it. It's going to be a real short, simple one today of how media constantly betrays American people. Thank you.